I'll stop the core and melt with you. Uh, listen, I think we're going to have an issue keeping this short because I have pages and pages of notes. Hey, let's not fight it. Let's go all the way in. Mm. I have I have much to say as well. <laughs> so for today's episode, we watched the 2003 movie The Core, starring Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swank, Stanley Tucci, and Morgan Freeman. The core of the Earth has stopped spinning. The spinning core protects us from cosmic radiation. Without it, radiation will create superstorms. Microwaves will literally cook our planet. <laughs> no, the last the last one is incorrect. I was wrong in the last episode. It is not. I'm glad you kept that in the last podcast. It really showed humility and character growth. Frankly, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. You know, it must have. I think it was a long time. The last time I've seen this uh, movie, especially because the amount of technology plot holes that now <laughs> exist because cell phones are a thing. Right. And that and that CGI looked really cool back in 2003. So I'll be honest, I still enjoy this movie very much because it's an end of the world movie and I love all of them. <laughs> but the fact that it's 2003 becomes really evident, like really quickly. Right. When you see Aaron Eckhart's hair. Well, there's that too. And that like Hillary Swank looks like a teenager and all that kind of stuff. But yes, even like, I don't know. I should, I don't even know if I should summarize this movie, but uh, basically the core of the earth stops spinning. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> let me, let me get a drink of water here. <clears throat> I'm guessing you're choked up because of all of the deaths in this movie. You know, I gotta me say too, buddy. for all the end of the world movies, for some reason, like, I think these deaths are some of the best, as strange oh, as that man. sounds. Like, they're done yeah, really well. I'm with you. So anyway, the core. Sorry, I'm drinking some water Wait, here. hold on a second. Pause. I was actually looking up uh, in thesaurus.com for, uh, we used the word gold about 20 times last time. So <laughs> yes, yes, I was did. just looking for synonyms for the noun uh, for excellence <laughs> so that I don't have to use gold a million times this time. Maybe I'll use unobtainium instead we will get to that <laughs> okay back to <laughs> so, it get okay to so it. so the core 2003 movie the premise you know and I, I tweeted at neil degrasse tyson hoping that he would get back to me before we <laughs> aired this podcast but he, did he didn't want to jump on no and i'm not a i'm not a personal friend so I, I got no answer but the core of the earth the outer core not the inner core stops spinning which apparently means our atmosphere goes away and Earth is subject to radiation and solar waves, and everyone on Earth is dead in a year. Right. Electromagnetic think, field. Yes, that is, is uh, what yes. I got from the exposition. That's it. And so there is a plan of scientists and geologists to take an implausible Earth train, a Liam Neeson-style train, <laughs> to the center of the Earth to blow up some bombs and restart the core. It's a long commute. <laughs> but they made it. It's a long commute. I say we begin with the very first scene when my note-taking was extreme and three people are about to enter into a business meeting. The guy checks his clock. Uh, by clock, I mean his wristwatch. It stops ticking. <laughs> right. He then says to his other cohorts, let's hit him. And they do a three-person fist bump. It's the most awkward fist bump <laughs> in history. Then they walk in. 
to the boardroom, and the guy whose watch stopped immediately wait, wait, wait. falls down. Oh, <laughs> before you, well, no, before you spoil that. Uh, before oh yeah. they, spoiler alerts from this whole movie from two thousand three. Yes, wow, that's fifteen years. Oh, you had goodness. your chance to watch it. Yeah, you did. Before they enter the boardroom, the guy says, "Let's go make thirty million dollars." <laughs> Now, I think in 2003, that probably sounded like an absurd amount of money. Sure. But in 2018, with Amazon and Facebook and like modern technology companies making literally billions and billions of dollars a quarter, that really felt lackluster. <laughs> but right. anyway, I just want right. to point that out. All right, so yes, I'm sorry. So they walk into the boardroom and... He unceremoniously dies. <laughs> End of scene. We're introduced to the main character, or one of the main characters, Josh played by Aaron Eckhart. Uh, and I have no idea what other movies he's been in. Yes, he uh, played... This is my 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 weekly Batman recall. He played Two-Face <laughs> oh, in that's Dark right. Knight. Yes, he did. And oh, okay. Thank You for Smoking and several other movies. That's right. He was that's in right. No Reservations with Catherine Zeta-Jones, a, oh. a chef romantic comedy. Uh, That's we'll right. have to come back to that at some other time because <laughs> I love romantic comedies. And I could I could spend a whole podcast talking about my favorites. Maybe we should alternate between end of the world movies and rom coms and just go from there. And hopefully we capture both of those audiences, but you know, the one end of the spectrum just hates when we when we move to the other end. They just they so listen we just every constantly week. alienate the people yeah. listening to this. I think that'll be fine. Okay. Uh so we're introduced to Josh and he's a, a university professor teaching about geology at the university of chicago he's playing oh really i didn't didn't half mile away from where i live okay Uh, don't don't triangulate too much i mean out of the millions of people that listen to this you might get a stalker or two i mean yeah i'm just saying i could be any direction from the university (laughs) but someone on a map just made a circle around the (laughs) university of chicago slowly drawing slowly drawing with a compass one mile radius. And then okay. put some red string up on the wall. Okay. That's right. Carry on. Triangulating all your chalk drawings <laughs> across the country. That's really creepy. Sorry. Really creepy. So he's playing the trumpet poorly into a rock, uh, trying to teach <laughs> his students something. And they pan to the students. And again, this is just one of the things about like when this movie was made. Like there's one girl like doing her nails and people just like sleeping with their eyes open. But mm-hmm. if that was a scene today, like every single one of those people would be on their phones, like without a doubt. Right. And so it's just so interesting to see the difference, like a 15 year right. ago movie. So anyway. And their nail just... painting would have suffered because of it. That's right. And th- so then the, the FBI come in and say, uh, come with us. And it's the same guy who plays the FBI agent in like every movie. <laughs> and who was also in the series 24, basically playing the same character. Oh. So we see him and then comes the bird scene. Which, in London. In London. Very that, Alfred Hitchcocky. That. Uh, now, I have to admit, I've never seen Alfred Hitchcock's. Is it The Birds or just Birds? The Birds. I think Birds. Maybe The Birds. birds. I've birds. only yeah. seen, you know, the clips of it, the real popular clips. I've never seen the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's anything like this scene, I find it terrifying. I find the idea of birds dropping from the sky. Uh, some rubber and right, some right. CGI. <laughs> Apparently, this scene took a long time because putting in all those fake birds. But it was true. I found it 
actually pretty terrifying. I have to say, I have seen Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, and there's not there's not any kind of crazy, like huge bird birds killing people scene, but it is harrowing. Mm. And after you see that movie, I could not walk outside for weeks without looking <laughs> askance at any bird. Stephen, why by. are you holding that umbrella? It's a sunny day. <laughs> That umbrella's not going to do nothing. That beak is going to pierce right through it. Uh, funk, funk, funk. <laughs> and then we do see, uh, you know, the camcorder view. Like mm-hmm. you see the little blinking red recorder, you know, and it's Back when people like use camcorders instead of their phones. Exactly. Again, I, a but simpler the, time. I love all those moments when it's like, that would now be a phone. And that video would be in like 4K and stabilized. Right. And probably a selfie as well. So anyway, I thought that was hilarious. And then we see, uh, we go back to the main character, Josh, and they're like looking up the seismic magnetic disturbances around the earth. And I love the terminology. He says, just hit the net, as in (laughs) the internet. And uh, they're like, but we don't have the bandwidth. And he's like, we got a T1 line. And I just, I love, I love all these words. Yeah. And then we're also introduced to Hilary Swank, another main character. And they're landing a space shuttle crash landing uh in the los angeles whatever that is i I will say like the music during the scene Mm -hmm. and in many scenes throughout Mm -hmm. that does feel super old like 80s electronic Mm kind of weird music Mm -hmm. but i still dig it right i'm i'm sure in that in their mind in 2002 whenever they were making this they thought like this is a real futuristic sound yeah yeah they probably did and so we're also introduced to Stanley Tucci as Dr. Zimsky, an arrogant... Stanley Tucci with hair. He is approached by the other main character, Josh, and tries to tell him the world's going to end, and they eventually go in front of some Pentagon government board <laughs> <laughs> to explain what's happening, and that the core of the Earth has stopped spinning. At one point, they're like Josh is explaining why they're all going to die, mm-hmm. and one of the generals says... "So." How do we fix it? We can't. Not in my vocabulary. Then you might want to get one of those word-a-day calendars, General, because it's impossible. <laughs> burn. I thought, I thought Lexicon, that pretty- burn. Yes, uh, my comment was this. Um, in order to illustrate the Earth, because uh, it seems like the people <laughs> in this room have never um, been in a second-grade science class. <laughs> they don't know what Earth or fire looks like. Yeah, we've... <laughs> Right. He pulls uh, a peach and cuts it open so you can kind of, you can visually show it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trivia from the movie, they couldn't actually get a peach in time for that scene. That was actually a painted apple that they put uh, like a fake core inside. For real? Yeah, what he's holding there is an apple. That's Um, strange. Right. And so he's kind of explaining like crust, mantle, core. You know, something that we all learned long, long ago. But then he says, like, does somebody have a can of air freshener? And they send, like, a lackey to go run and get it. <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, oh, this must be very important. Like, the fact that he needs it for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He uses it by spraying it through a lighter. He just roasts the peach. Because they couldn't possibly comprehend hey, uh, the Earth's going to burn if we don't right. do something about this. They had to visually see a peach <laughs> being toasted by fire. And you see, you see like all the government officials' faces 
like it's like now they didn't get, get it. it. But when they see the fire, like, oh man, this is bad. Wait, that's gonna be us? Are we on the peach? <laughs> uh yeah, I thought that was a little silly. Like, and then he says, Feel free to throw up. I know I did. Yeah, there, there's some <laughs> there's some cheesy lines in that, but but I receive them all with pleasure. We're, we're first introduced, we go to the desert uh, because Stanley Tucci's character says, uh, well, I know a guy who oh, yeah. uh, can, can get us to the center of the earth. And we're interest, introduced to Morgan Freeman, otherwise known as <laughs> Delroy Lindo, the actor. And he is the scientist uh, who apparently knows Stanley Tucci's character from some longstanding... Feud? Yeah, some feud, some science feud. Delroy Lindo's character... Uh, developed some uh, Earth train, Liam Neeson commuter train, that can mm-hmm. withstand impossible heat and impossible pressure, and also has this laser that can cut through the Earth. Its capabilities are still unknown to me, even after watching this movie, what it can and cannot <laughs> bore its way through. Yeah, that, that, they did kind of leave some holes there. No pun intended. Diamonds impervious. Yeah, that's right. Which, that was kind of funny, like huge diamonds. But So this train is made out of, like he explains how he made it. I combine the crystals in a tungsten titanium matrix at super cool temperatures. That's what did the trick. I call it unobtainium. And it's kind of this throwaway line where he says, well, I, some tungsten and uh, took some uh, magnesium alloy and put it yeah. together. It's like how they made my wedding ring. Tungsten and titanium. That's what he says. At super cool temperatures. I says, yeah, that's right. Super cool temperatures. And he's like, and then boom, you got uh, this magic material. Vibranium. They ask him the, <laughs> Black Panther, they come ask him, in here. They ask him the name. And he says. Unobtainium. <laughs> which is so close to adamantium. And it is various adamantium. Other, it's, 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 it's vibranium, it's adamantium. Mm-hmm. I believe yes. unobtainium is also the mineral they use in Avatar that they are mining from Pandora. Oh. I think it's just okay. kind of a, an industry inside joke. Like, ah, eh, we don't know what to call it. Right. So, um, as to imply that you cannot obtain it. So it is <laughs> unobtainium. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Bad jokes. Correct. <laughs> so then we are introduced to The Rat, which, <laughs> which is the movie's you know, early 2000s geek character, which the scene where they actually they couldn't like, find Jeff Green or no, is that Seth Green? <laughs> Seth Green? <laughs> they really wanted it to be the guy from Matrix? I think you're thinking of Seth Rogen. No. No. no? Seth Green. Seth Green. Oh, he's the okay. He's the guy in the Matrix, the real, the nerdy guy who plays that exact same role. You're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of uh, Seth, uh, who's the late night guy? Seth, Seth Myers. Yeah. Seth Myers. Yeah, you're thinking yeah. of Seth Myers. I mean, I'd take Seth Myers too in that role. Be about the same. <laughs> so the scene where they apprehend him from his apartment and he, first of all, throws CDs into the microwave. Mm-hmm. Again, just the time reference mm-hmm. is wonderful. Mm-hmm. He, he takes magnets to his gateway PCs to, to delete all the hard drives. Yep. He's the real Napster. He's, he's, he's the real Napster. And then so they interrogate him, telling him, you know, they have a very important job for him to do. And uh, he takes Josh's cell phone and a gum wrapper mm-hmm. and does like some whistle tone. Yep. And tells him, you have free long distance forever. Right. Which <laughs> I love no, everything no, about No, that. no, I, be- I believe I believe that back in 2003... That might have been all you needed to do to break some sort of, you know, encrypted security code. <laughs> it was a wild true. west. It's just of funny, long like, distance calling. <laughs> yes, it was. The fact that 
long distance wouldn't even be a thing like five years later is pretty hilarious. Right. They no longer need Rat. And the premise that they hire him to control the net, meaning the internet. Yeah. Like, He's again, hacking the world. <laughs> like, this, it is amazing to think like, this is before social media. And, like, the prospect of actually doing this would be literally impossible. Like, you might need to get one of those word a day calendars. Like, literally, <laughs> like, you, you could not do that. Yeah. So. Well, the internet was smaller back then. Mm. It was just like a couple, like, Ask Jeeves was, was there. GeoCities. Yeah. Uh, the, the message boards. The mes- <laughs> AOL. Yeah, I mean, a thousand hours free. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, AOL, AOL was pre existing. <laughs> pre existing the internet. Right. <laughs> you go ahead. Okay. Here's a very important part of Rat's character development, and it took me down a small, small rabbit hole. Yes. He says he really wants Hot Pockets, and that's kind of a, a, a thing for him, is that Rat needs Hot Pockets to work. There are probably right. three more scenes that involve Hot Pockets, which yes. made me think, I, you know what? I think I was eating a lot of Hot Pockets around that time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I went down, uh, did some research. Um Hot Pockets, developed by Paul and David Mirage from <laughs> Chef America, Inc., uh, was purchased. Uh, they developed it uh, to keep it crispy when you microwave it. Yes. Uh, but the important thing is that in 2002, May 22nd, 2002. Oh, wait. <laughs> I have two conflicting dates. April 20th, 2002, Hot Pockets were produced by Nestle. Purchased by the big boys. Or created by the big boys. Uh-huh. And the movie came out... March 28th, 2003, leading me to believe that this might have been the pinnacle of Hot Pockets. And I think Nestle had something to do with this um, product placement. Yeah, now that they they just picked it up, apparently it was a $2 billion category for frozen sandwiches and snacks, according to Wikipedia. Thank you, and back to the show. (laughs) Nate, I'm not even sure what to do with that story. (laughs) You, Jim Gavkin fan? I am. I love that sketch. Yeah, Yeah, me too. That's good stuff. But I agree. I was eating a lot of Hot Pockets, I think, at this time. The uh, pepperoni ones, uh, especially. Uh, When they developed, they developed the the breakfast Hot Pockets. Oh, my word, yes. And I just couldn't get enough of that sausage, egg, and cheese. (laughs) Were you you a toaster strudel fan? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I shared toaster strudels in my family with my brother and sister. And the ultimate cardinal sin to commit was using more than your allotted two <laughs> frosting. frosting packets because, you know, you don't want to be the one who, like, at the end, you have two toaster strudels mm. and you, like, reach into the bottom of the box yes. and there's just one frosting packing packet left and you know, you know one of your siblings <laughs> ruined you. Now, I want to continue on this rabbit trail because from what I remember, there was one packet of frosting for every two toaster strudels does that comport with your memory um or was it a packet for each i think there was a packet for each oh i don't know maybe i'm well well regardless of how i know if you tear through one they're all kind of conjoined packets that you could tear (laughs) through one and accidentally rip through like three other ones which is the excuse i gave my siblings when we were out of packets i didn't mean to it doesn't keep i couldn't I tried. <laughs> well, I, however the allotment was supposed to shake out, I would always—I mean, I would always have two at a time because that's how toasters are made. Mm-hmm. And whatever the allotment of frosting was, I would only put it on the one strudel and eat the other one 
with no frosting because like I want an to, animal. I, I wanted to maximize the frosting on any given strudel. So, so. you so you ate one plain one first. Yes. Going, oh, this is okay, but man, that second one's going to be so loaded with frosting, and I want the, yes. the last delicious, delectable taste in my mouth to be frosting. You ever eat that it's, frosting yes. right out of the packet? No, no, I would never do that. That's weird. Oh, I, I definitely just, I, you know what? Now that you I look back, it? now that I look back, I owe my siblings an apology. <laughs> so that was wrong of me. Did you ever have, listen, I don't, we need to continue this because this is important information. Did you also consume Dunkaroos? Um, Dunkaroos were, um, uh, in the prison yard of school were a highly sought after commodity that somehow we, we did have toaster strudels, but Dunkaroos were considered too unhealthy in our home. So I, it was never bought for us. It sounds like a double but standard. I had to trade in like. You know, I was able to get zebra cakes or oatmeal cream pies, and I think I was able to kind of trade those in. I see. It was more of like a two zebra cake to one Dunkaroo, but I got <laughs> now, my hands on the good stuff. Now, when you got a Dunkaroo, I, I applied my same method from the strudels to Dunkaroos, where I would get barely any frosting on the first two-thirds of the crackers mm-hmm. and then just wail <laughs> on the remaining frosting right. on the last, like, three. Because there's there's nothing worse than getting to the last one and you That's right. you got greedy at the beginning. That's exactly right. Okay, anyway. Just wanted to validate my Dunkaroo practice. No, I think that was wise. I think that was wise. I think the doing one frosting uh, frosting on one of your toaster strudels is a little bit extreme. <laughs> I, it might be too late for an intervention here, but yeah, well, I, I think to... you were uh, living living with a, a bit of a poverty mentality there. Mm. Listen, we're we're really gonna have to jam through the rest of this movie now. So uh, I do want to no, say, no, ain't gonna uh, happen. I have so much to say. <laughs> so uh, Hillary Swank, she's she's practicing on the uh, the little uh, simulator mm-hmm. for the for the Liam Neeson train, mm-hmm. and the, the other tunneling guy... tapeworm, I like to call it. <laughs> oh, that made me feel weird. But but didn't you think that you were in someone's body based on like sort of the CGI like and now no, we're no, heading no. through I, the upper colon into the <laughs> I lower believe, intestine. I believe that is exactly how the inside of our earth looks. <laughs> I think it is completely accurate. Okay. So she's so she's practicing and then her other captain guy who comes across as pompous or whatever, he comes in to try and teach her a lesson. And he literally says, like, you're not going to listen to me, but I'm going to say it anyway. But then he actually says a line that I think is pretty mm. good. Mm-hmm. He says, being a leader is not about ability. It's about responsibility. You're not really a leader until you've lost. Obviously foreshadowing that she's going to have to make some bad decision. That's deep. But I thought, yeah, I thought that was a, for a 2003 cheesy end of the world movie, like that was pretty good. That moment is full of opulence and substance. And I don't think opulence was and, right. Oh, you know what? I think this thesaurus for gold. I have it on the wrong category. <laughs> you gotta go. Well, that was we- noun for money and possessions. That was no. You gotta go uh, to the Webster's thesaurus. For those listening, I'm trying to use the word like that was gold uh, less. And then we have a lightning static storm in Rome, mm. which I have to say was probably some of the worst special effects I've ever seen. Yeah, the lightning was tough. They use an actual model of the Colosseum when they blew it up, <laughs> but it looks like yeah. they blew up a model of the Colosseum. 
very much. And like the green screen is like you can almost see a little green <laughs> through the Coliseum's <laughs> windows. Like right, that's eh, pretty bad. They also but, oh, really, really, uh, really hit the stereotypes of Italy. I believe the to capture the the setting they had you know someone drinking an espresso there's the guy painting with the little uh, black you know the hat and he's uh, <laughs> painting a skyline people at trevi fountain somebody's yeah. eating a cannoli yeah <laughs> they're just yes italy to the max well you and you lived in italy We're so in italy. You, you know yeah not in rome i was in milan it's a different world oh, so different world me. down there um do they eat cannolis over there or no i you know what? I don't know, and I can't. Uh, I can't speak on it, but I do know that coming into a coffee shop is as fast as coming in, ordering an espresso, slamming it back, putting down a euro, and walking out. And that's what successful people, at least in Milan, did that I watched. Yeah. I'm sitting there like a dummy, trying to drink a whole cappuccino as if I'm 85 and have all the time in the world. These young professionals are just throwing it back. I don't have time for this. I'm probably burns their throat on the way down and. Ciao. Down the hatch. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> when I uh, was in New York City, I would get breakfast sometimes at like some of those bagel places. Mm-hmm. The speed at which people both order and then also make the bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel sandwiches is amazing. Like it's, it's pretty impressive. Almost as fast as a Hot Pocket. <laughs> With a little silver sleeve to keep it crispy. <laughs> you got it. Okay, so we, we then, uh, every, the team is assembled. The Train is built, and now we're going to launch it at the Mariana Trench because that's the place where the crust is the thinnest. And we board, and off they go. Uh, now, something about whales happens, which becomes <laughs> important later. Uh, some science, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whales. Whales. Oh, we did, we forgot to mention the, uh, the another character, Surge, which you know. I, Serge, Serge. This is the Josh, the, one of the main characters' good friends. He is on the ship. You know, he doesn't have a huge role like leading up to this. I feel like, but nope. then just a good, on just the ship, an overall good guy. An overall and I good believe guy. he's uh, bombs, weapons. That's kind of his <laughs> he's specialty. He's right? the weapon, the weapon specialist. That's the weapon right. specialist. That's right. Yes, right. yes. Because they are carrying uh, where I wrote this down. Is it a thousand <laughs> megatons of nuclear? Yeah, some Bombs? implausible, some implausible <laughs> amount of nuclear material. Right. I'm sorry, nuclear. Right. That's going to be uh, tough. Uh, gonna be tough. I, I do it too sometimes. Yeah, I say nuclear, and then my wife looks at me and she says, mm, "Nuclear." <laughs> she says, "I'm no longer listening to this podcast." <laughs> so, eventually, they do make it uh, into the Earth's crust, past the Mariana Trench, and I just have to say, the majestic music and the scene of the Earth train, the what did you call it? The tape, the tapeworm, the tunneling tapeworm, the tunneling tapeworm. Hearing that music and seeing it cut through the Earth's crust, like knife through butter, mm. it's just made me feel so good, so majestic. I love, I just love it. It's great because this is an end of the world movie. We know that people are going to die. Like you know, not all <sighs> these people are going to make it back. I don't. Okay, so. You already said you kind of like this movie, and we'll yes. talk about this later at our final ranking ratings yes. of this. Yes. But I don't like movies when I know the characters are going to be whittled down <laughs> one by one, and usually left with like you know it's supposed to be the most likable ones, or at least like right, the ones like right. the, the, the the top, top billing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So 
I don't like that puts me at edge knowing that like, ah, you're not going to make it like level. Like I, I saw this back in 2004, I believe <laughs> at my local blockbuster or whatever. <laughs> you um, rented a VHS. Right. Exactly. Um, but I didn't, didn't remember who dies and when. Oh, really? I don't like the feeling like, ah, you're, you're toast at some point in time. I don't know why. I don't know how. But you're not a big enough character to make it to the end of this. Right, right. And that and bugs I, me. Well, that is exactly what happens here. <laughs> so <laughs> the first situation, they break into a geode under, you know, miles beneath the earth crust. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a bunch of crystals or whatever. It's like this crystal pocket. Mm-hmm. And uh, stuff happens, you know, end of the world movies. You know, they, they got to solve a problem. There's something jamming the whatever the horizontal oscillator or whatever. Yeah, the, the, the laser couldn't cut through those crystals. Question mark? I, yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel like it's a little strange. Like I would have thought they would have just dropped and kept going straight through, but they anyway. just lodged. Yeah, the crystal just lodged in there. Like, oh, I got a I got a nail in a tire. <laughs> it's a hangnail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the train comes to a halt in this like underwater bubble of crystals or whatever, mm-hmm. and so they all get out and they're all looking around. It's all amazing, and then lava starts pouring in because they you know compromised the integrity of the geode by boring a hole through the ceiling right right and uh stuff happens josh has to sacrifice his o2 to help to cut the crystal such and such but anyway we have our first death which is the main captain guy and uh it's a very quick and senseless it's senseless death Uh, some crystal pierces like falls from the ceiling and pierces his helmet and he just dies and falls back into the lava like no no build up no nope. <laughs> no foreshadowing he just straight up oh dies. I'm, I'm pretty sure he said something like well that was a close call but things are going really well thus far and things will continue to go well for all of us <laughs> sure dodge that bullet <laughs> and, and then, then a uh, rock yeah fall a lava rock gets in yes. his suit or something that's right so now now hillary swank is the captain and she has to make all the decisions now. Right. And so the lava rises and they start, uh, they continue their journey. Uh, Hillary the tapeworm slinks right back down into the lava. Ugh. Continue. You know, did, while it was sitting there horizontal, I did yes. have the thought of, how are they going to bore down again? They're not facing the right, right. The right direction. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't made clear. I, mean, I don't even know if the core of the earth can really stop spinning. Or... <laughs> If it's actually spinning right now, I mean, I have no idea. Right. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure. Wait, I I wrote this down. Uh, Aaron Eckhart says physics 101: hot metal moving fast makes electromagnetic field. That's. A- <laughs> I guarantee you, that's not physics 101. Physics 101 is more like gravity exists. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> yeah, I I that line stuck out to me too, and that's actually <clears throat> Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I would actually like to know if that is true and if that's actually what creates our atmosphere. I feel like it's inaccurate, but right. who knows? Right. Uh, so they continue on. Uh, the lava rises and they can begin their journey again. And they're now preparing the nuclear... N- nuclear? Oh, goodness. <laughs> new, nuclear. See, my wife would give me a tip. You have to think the word new and then the word clear. And you say that like as two different words. So new, clear. You just got to fill in that space in between. Otherwise, you sound crazy. (laughs) So they are preparing the nuclear bombs uh, that they're going to set off in the core. Mm -hmm. And 
And then we see these huge, uh, unobservable black areas on the the MRI that's, I guess, <laughs> attached to the front of this train. Mm-hmm. And they are huge diamonds that cannot be cut through. Because I don't know if you remember from uh, geology class. It's geology a, 101. That's right. On a hardness rating, diamonds are the only 10 uh, in hardness. So whatever that means. Oh. That's right. I, I kind of want to go down that. I mean, not, I don't want to go down that uh, that path on this podcast, but now you have me curious about, what's that hardness rating called? Oh, uh, well, we're going to look it up right now. Hardness? The Mohs scale. Is that what it is? Mohs scale of hardness. Mose. Diamond's a 10. Yep, see? Talc see, is a 1. About. Oh, mole scale. So what is the Rockwell scale? Because uh, that's that's a... uh, all the movies Sam Rockwell has been in. <laughs> Um, just based on their Rotten Tomatoes rating. rating. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that is that is the hardness scale. And you can tell because uh, nothing can scratch a diamond, I don't think, unless it's another diamond. Another diamond. <laughs> right. Uh, but a diamond can scratch anything else, uh, including an itch. So anyway. Yeah, for for being in a tunneling tapeworm that has a laser in front that's supposed to basically bore you through to the right. center of the earth, they right. sure have to do a lot of steering around things. That did yes. I feel like that is a big issue. Like unless it was a diamond, you think they could just go straight. Right. Uh, they're constantly kind of like weaving and and dodging and using those two joysticks. Yeah. And I do find using it strange. the force. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, I don't know how you can steer that thing anyway. It's not like there's like a rudder or some right. kind of so well, they, sail. Or... They do say it is a little cumbersome. It doesn't turn on the dime. Yeah. I believe that's said about five times in this movie. So we know like, hey. <laughs> it is. A couple, a couple more uh, practical issues. I don't understand how they can communicate. To back- the surface? To the surface. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, like what radio signal can travel 800 miles underground like my wi-fi has trouble reaching my bedroom <laughs> and these guys are like having a crystal clear conversation through the earth like right. i don't understand well and then, then at times they spoke to each other and then i thought you guys should be communicating more right like every once in a while they kind of check in but like if you have this communication the whole time yeah there should be like a team of like a think tank right basically right. strategizing like, hey like the apollo 13 like the think tank. Exactly. But it yeah. just sounds like, no, every once in a while, Rat wants to talk or uh, Stick, <laughs> right. who's the, the lady commander. Right, right. Stickly. Uh, she, every once in a while, chimes in. How are you yeah, guys doing? How are they getting, yeah, how are they talking down there? So yeah. they're preparing the nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hillary Swank hits the edge of a diamond. And the, in the back, of course, the, the damage always conveniently happens, like from the back to the front. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so the premise is if, if, a, if a compartment gets damaged, it will be ejected. And conveniently, none of the middle or forward can compartments you imagine, get damaged. Can you imagine it breaching the second one? And it's like, <laughs> it's been a very all right, short we, movie. Just, we just jettisoned 90% of it. And it's just Hillary Swank alone in the, in the cockpit. <laughs> that would have made for a very less interesting movie. But right, that's true. yeah, so the, so the back one gets damaged first, uh, as you do. And so they have to get out of there. Uh, they leave something important behind. Serge goes back to get it and can't get out in time. So the door closes mm-hmm. and Serge is now trapped in this 
crushing compartment, mm. and Josh is watching him through the video screen as his friend is getting crushed. And I have to say, as as little as this character actually says in the whole movie, oh, I feel man. like I liked him real like a lot. I liked him a lot. And the idea. And I, I believe this did give me nightmares back when I was you know, 16 watching this movie. Yes. But the idea of being crushed in oh, a yeah. metal yeah. container with all these things is horrifying. Yeah. Well, this I'm glad the- that this was not a gory death because it could have right. been. It, it really could have been. Yeah. They couldn't afford that much special effects uh, right. after the Rome scene. But it is very sad. I feel like they do... like. But it's still done well. Like it's suspenseful. Mm-hmm. You get the feeling like there's still a chance. Maybe they can open the door and get to him, but they they don't. And I, I like. There's a scene where a second where Braz, the train mm-hmm. inventor, he's like trying to override the doors. And I feel like this is a very real moment that most movies don't have, where he he kind of like starts crying a little bit. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Right. And, he, and I feel Just looking like, at this box of wires and breaks I down. Do. I feel like that's so real. Like. For however bad the other parts of this movie is, like I feel like that was very human, and so I don't know yeah, moments like that. That, make that me was love a this great movie. moment. That that whole scene with Serge was a great moment, and yeah. then this movie immediately ruined it by having yeah. Josh come to the cockpit and yell in <laughs> Hillary Swank's face. Hillary Swank's face, like you could have saved him. You could have done this. You're the worst. Yeah, I don't think he has that accent. I don't know what that last. Uh, uh, yeah, it, was, that was but, just me sorry. starting to cry. That's why I'm not an actor oh, myself. <laughs> I Thanks. do, yeah, I do. Thanks. The, sorry, that that whole encounter is kind of painful. Like, yes, he should be upset, and Hillary Swank, you know, finally it comes to re- fruition that she had to make a tough call, and she says, "Look what I do." But then he like shoves the notebook where his Look daughter. At Look at the kids. kids. <laughs> and I'm like, it does. Like I, I had to like cringe a little bit and kind of look away because it it does steal a lot. It seems kind of scene. it just seems kind of over overacted like that scene oh, yeah. in and of itself and Braz kind of breaking down ha- carried enough emotional weight. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think anyone watching the movie like then thought of, you know what, Hillary Swank should have opened that door. Like we all understood it. Right. In right, fact, right. he comes back in to the cockpit 30 seconds later and it seems like he understood it too. But it's also he was like, then fine. Like he disappears, and then when he comes back to the cockpit, he kind of like smiles at Hillary Swank a little bit, and Hillary Swank smiles back, and I'm like, "What? Wait a minute!" You're like a you guys are just a like flirty smile, like hold on. Yeah, and he's like, "Don't I guess forget came... that guy." You're like, well, Don't I guess he's dead Sanders. anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah, so that was a little strange. Uh, and then, so Stanley Tucci's character uh, then tells us that this might have been a result of his pet project, oh. Destiny. We have a scene of uh, the Golden Gate Bridge getting zapped by a solar flare yep. uh, because every disaster movie needs to destroy either New York or the Golden Gate Bridge, mm-hmm. one or the other. And uh, the guy gets like sunburned on the arm like immediately uh, and, and then, then dies. completely destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> he completely dies. Uh, so we go and then we're back at the tunneling tapeworm and they have to, uh, they come up with this plan where they put a nuclear bomb in each compartment because they need to something about stones in a pond and yeah yeah the the original thought was put one giant explosion and right. i i saw the the models that they saw 
<laughs> I don't understand how putting one explosion in there, which explodes with a force in every direction, right. will right. bring about a, a rotational movement. That is true. Yes. Um, but this is something that the movie does this that a lot of movies do is that there are a lot of physical visual representations of maps that would never happen in the real world. But like the people on the surface have uh, the, uh, you know, a Google image of a a cut up earth and with a a beeping light based on where they are in the core, as if you could see them (laughs) as they journeyed further in. And they have like this circle core with like the, the model shows like these green particles as the explosion bouncing around. So okay, so anyway, they they jettison the 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 things and set off a bunch of explosions that have to be timed to the millisecond. Right, but in order to manually eject the compartments, they need to flip a switch that Braz, the uh, inventor of the train, needs to literally go out in like the super heated area in front of the train, like right next to where the molten core mm. is right outside mm-hmm. and flip the switch and so it's a suicide mission everybody knows it and so and then there's this goodbye as braz is like headed out to Man, basically get burned alive sad. it is sad but there's this goodbye between braz and uh stanley tucci's character which i feel like was pretty a little poetic you know they kind of uh right. come to an understanding they made up they made up and so braz goes out there again like i think it's a pretty good sacrificial death scene like He's slowly walking, and the heat is breaking the glass of his helmet. I thought it was pretty cool. And his glasses that he's wearing in the helmet are cracking. (laughs) Which I don't know how those shatter before the helmet does, but (laughs) anyway. So uh, he dies, but they get it going again. They get the bombs timed, and and they. but but the last bomb needs to be 30% bigger. And we learn this because Stanley Tucci's character gets his leg pinned under mm-hmm. one of the bombs right before they eject it. Which, I don't know what you thought about that scene, but if the bomb rolled so easily onto his leg, I feel like they could have easily rolled it off. But Yeah, it seems like, yeah, it would just... That is the easiest way to move a cylinder is rolling it with its cur- with its curve. Like, and if it's right. on a smashed leg, you just kind of roll it back down the smashed leg. I feel like that was kind of a weak death. But anyway, Stanley Tucci's character gets trapped, and he chooses to die uh, with the nuclear explosion. So he's gone, and now we're left with Josh and Hillary Swank. And Josh has to put the nuclear material from their reactor into the last bomb because some calculation. Mm-hmm. And so the bombs go off, and now Hillary Swank and Josh are sitting in the cockpit of this thing with no power. Uh, they have, you know, they're just sitting there waiting for the bombs to come destroy them. Yep, for certain death. Certain death. And Josh comes up with a brilliant idea, something about, <laughs> like, welding the power cables for the ship onto the wall, something, something. Because the obtainium uses the heat and transfers no, no, un, it to un, energy. Unobtainium, unobtainium, I'm sorry. Unobtainium, yes. Yes. And, uh, and so anyway, they figure out how to get some power to the ship, and once the explosion hits them, they go flying back through the Earth, supposedly back towards the crust. To, like surfing a tidal wave. <laughs> like surfing a tidal wave. And somehow, with like little steering capability and no laser to cut anything in no, front of them. No, right. They have to follow the magma's journey to the surface Mm -hmm. perfectly with the magma with the flow this is done 
over the course because it says 16 hours later this is done over the course of 16 <laughs> right. hours of right. hillary swank aka beck yes steering with utmost focus yes for 16 hours 16 hours and at this point they've been down there for like 36 hours maybe she I has guess. not slept not slept I didn't see any Keurigs. She's had no coffee, <laughs> but can somehow maneuver. That's because Keurigs didn't exist back in 2003, mm-hmm. Stephen. You know, that's an excellent point. There would have been a big can of Folgers coffee on the uh, on the shelf. That's true. So anyway, somehow they managed to surf the magma all the way back up to the surface, to which they plop down on the ocean floor with no way to communicate, no more power left in the ship. But miraculously. They can ping their sonar, which calls the whales to their rescue, and the Navy hears the whales singing, uh, thanks to Rat, the apparent internet expert and whale expert. Yes, those two Uh, go together. Right. And uh, they get rescued uh, happily ever after. Now, I had a similar question for the last movie. What character on this tunneling tapeworm would you be? I have a quick question. Oh, go ahead. I would probably want to pick the person that lives, but are we saying kind of like just as a human up to this point who I'd want to be? Yeah, like like what what uh personality and like who do you think you are most like? All right, I, I guess got is it. the question. All right, you go first. So I would say <laughs> I don't want to say Stanley Tucci because <laughs> he's a jerk for most of the movie. But it's true. No, no. You're real Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> I would think I am either Braz or Josh. Because I feel like both of them look super nervous the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I know I would be very tense and like worried we're all going to die mm-hmm. most of the time. But they do have their heroic moment. I do not know if I could like go out in the 9,000 degree area and, mm. you know, do that part. Mm-hmm. The part where Josh like gives up his oxygen for a minute to uh, help the cutting of the diamond or whatever, I think I could do that. I think I would be up for that. So, I don't know. I'm kind of half and half. Well, okay. Well, now choose one. Thanks for, thanks for <laughs> limiting it down to two. And now for the final round. So, to, so you want me? Okay. You so must now to, pick one person. I have to pick one person. Okay. I would, not because I like his character more, but I would probably be the Josh character. Just because I do feel like I have some problem-solving skills, I would be semi-heroic, but like Braz was like a nice head of hair. Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I would be the Josh character. Okay. How about you? All right. Here's what I'm gonna go with. Yes. I'm gonna go with Beck. I'm gonna go with Hillary Swank. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Okay. And and here's why. I believe Hillary Swank. She seemed very qualified for this. I love the idea that like she was super specialized. Mm-hmm. I felt like she made a ton of great decisions. Yes. So maybe this is who I, I, I aspire to be. Maybe not right. who I am. Maybe I'm more <laughs> of a Tucci inside. Okay. So how shall we rate the 2003 movie, The Core? Hot Pockets. <laughs> zero to five. Okay. So we, can, we can do zero to five Hot Pockets. Aren't they? Or zero to five Obtaniums. We could do obtainiums. I think we've learned that you are the one who makes these scales the best. So I. <laughs> well, I don't want to take his. You know, well, just take no, control I think of it. this is now your corner. And okay, okay. now I'm. 
<laughs> so you you are you have the accent uh and background story uh imd pedant right. role right. <laughs> and hot, I'll po- come up hot pocket history from zero to five unobtainiums i give the core three out of five mm. um it is overall an enjoyable and somewhat stressful watch it doesn't have the kind of rewatchability that for example the commuter had that we did last week Mm. Um, so that's kind of why it's middle of the road. It's a middle of the road movie in every way for me. I'm going to give the core <laughs> another four out of five <laughs> unobtainiums because I find this movie to have extreme rewatchability because I know I've seen this movie at least six times. You've seen this movie six times. Listen, I, right after this movie came out, I went to college and I had this movie on DVD. And it got rewatched several times. Let me just be honest. Now, I don't know if these ratings are like personal ratings or like objective ratings. No, I believe they're, per- I mean, they feel. I mean, if I was going to objectively rate this movie, I would probably give it a two and a half to three. But me personally, it gets a solid four. And this is going to be a problem because every end of the world movie, I'm probably going to love. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, all of this. So, listeners, if you have a bad movie, Again, we would love to have your suggestions. So you can go to exchangepodcast.com and send it there. You can also tweet at, at Nate Baranowski and at Stephen Robles with your suggestions. And we'd love if you could rate us on the iTunes store to help us be found by many other wanting listeners so they can hear this comedy gold that is the Exchange Podcast. No, we, we can't use gold anymore. It's no, I com- only used it once today. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> comedy gold. <laughs> I think this is one of the best Morgan Freeman movies that, that are out there, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, well, that's it.